0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Wednesday means Leah Hextall joining us from Winnipeg, Manitoba. She usually does up in Canada. How are you?
1: I'm good, Dom. We're just a little busy here right now. As Paul Maurice Jets just announced that they have extended their head coach to a multi-year contract today.
0: And I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, this was a very difficult season for them. We've outlined that many times with all the blue liners that they lost. And and out, outside of last night, it actually gotten hot and played some uh, pretty decent hockey. Line A had been on fire. He was great last night. Had a ton of shots on goal. Hit the post a couple of times but just couldn't figure out Igor. But uh, I think it's the right thing to do. I think he's a great coach i think Shevel dayoff has done a good job there in winnipeg and the fact that we're even talking about them being a playoff contender when they lose four of their uh, top uh, six defensemen that's a pretty good thing to say
1: well, and it's also very interesting because just a few weeks ago, the narrative was, would the Jets make a coaching change? There was a great deal of speculation with Gerard Gallant being let go from Las Vegas if it was time for Winnipeg to move on from Paul Maurice, and especially because the team hadn't been performing that well. They were mirrored in a six-game skid. But to your point, I've been saying the entire season that I feel he should be a Jack Adams nominee because of what he's done with the personnel in front of him. So to find out today that they've given him the multi-year extension, I think really, truly he is the man. A voice in the room that can control this ship and steer this ship in the right direction. It's interesting to me, though, um, His all of his assistants, their contracts are also finished at the end of this season. They have not been spoken to as of yet. Um, I know that Maurice is very loyal to his other assistant coaches, so it'll be interesting to see if the entire coaching staff comes back, or if it's Paul Maurice, and maybe some changes are made, but my gut feeling feels like if Paul Maurice is on board, he is going to say I want the same boys uh, working alongside with me, and they will continue on here in Winnipeg, but we will have to wait and see, but it's great news for PM, very well liked here, has his home here in the off season as well, stays in Winnipeg with his family, and uh, really has become a huge part of this community, and is uh, truly one of the best clips out there to deal with the media world, so we're happy to have
0: him stay here in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, I've always uh, gotten along with him and Shevelday off too, so I'm glad that uh, the Winnipeg Jets are at least moving up. Uh, they, they lost last night, but uh, still right in the thick of a playoff spot as they right now stand just one point out with the game in hand on Arizona. Arizona lost last night in overtime to Toronto, but before we get to some of the things that happened last night, Leah, we have to really dive into the Jay Bowmeister situation. Uh, I was on the air, saw the video, and kind of gave updates until we got off the air and Still very little uh, information today, but uh, I guess some of the news good. The fact that he was alert after he collapsed on the bench during the Blues-Ducks game. The game was postponed and that was the right thing to do. Uh, I thought Darren Pang did a great job giving updates on television that he was alert when he went into the ambulance. Understood that he was going to the ambulance. The latest we heard it was a cardiac event, but Leah, that's always scary when you see a professional athlete during a game collapse like that. It brings back so many bad memories of the past and you know, as of right now as of this recording which is 110 eastern time um still no other information than that but still just a very scary situation last night
1: it, it truly is, Don, and I'm just thinking back to the fact that I've seen St. Louis play twice in the last 10 days because they've taken on Winnipeg twice. And I was actually saying on air, Jay Bowmeister, 36 years of age, still playing over 21 minutes of time on ice per game, one of the leading minute munchers for the St. Louis Blues is still talking about his ability to still skate, which has always made him a dominant player, knowing his rule, you know, just one of the best. We're talking about a player that's won multiple World Cups, Olympic gold, now a Stanley Cup, Uh, truly just, you know, seems to defy the odds. And then watching him go down, and you have to give all credit, Vince Dunn immediately was up on the bench hollering, Petrangelo saw it immediately and was screaming to the refs to get them over. But I have to say, I'm really glad that they postponed the game because we've seen it before when episodes happen, where they continue on. And I just think for not just the Blues, but also for the Anaheim Ducks. You saw Ryan Getzlaff standing there at center talking about what was going to happen with the game. Let's remember, Getzlaff played with Bo Meester on mm-hmm. Team Canada in the Olympics. I mean, all these players are so connected and I just don't really know how you continue on in a game when that happens. So I was really happy to see what they did. All credit to the medical staff. They always do such a good job. You never want to actually see them have to jump into action. But when they do, uh, it's nice to know. And, and we're thinking about Jay Bomey's today. And, you know, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, T.J. Brody and Calgary had an episode earlier this season. It's You know, you see these elite athletes, and they seem like that they're, you know, superheroes in some way and that they can't be touched because they're all in such great shape. But, you know, we have to remember this is how taxing it is on their bodies. And it'll be interesting to uh, see uh, the development for Jay Bomey's And And, you know, we just wish him all the best.
0: Uh Now let's get to actual um injuries, too, that are affecting some teams. Edmonton, they did get a big win last night over Chicago. They still have dry sidle. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a good game last night. But you can't lose Connor McDavid and not have it affect you. Uh This could be devastating out for the next two, three weeks with that quad. And that's that's a really tough thing to overcome. Again, they still have very talented players on that team, and they're still in the thick of things. And that was a big win last night. But this could be a really hard two, three weeks for Edmonton to overcome losing a guy that that is over a point a game guy for you.
1: Well, you saw Dryside will say it best. McDavid's the best player in the world Mm -hmm. when you lose that player off your roster it's going to hurt you and that's the absolute truth because he is the driver on the team we've seen Dreisaitl and other players have fantastic years but he is the pulse of that team make no mistake about it The interesting thing about Connor McDavid is out with the quad injury for two to three weeks and he went to Toronto. And the reason that he's in Toronto right now and not with the team is he's going to see his medical team. Um, As we know, McDavid, after he crashed into the net at the end of last season in the final game, he uh, tore his PCL. It was a major injury. In the offseason, he rehabbed it and everybody thought it was miraculous that he was back in the time it was. And quite frankly, it was. There was an incredible documentary done here that was aired on Sportsnet after the All-Star game. And it was called whatever it takes. And it went through with McDavid and his team what he went through. He saw multiple doctors and most of the time you're going to have to get surgery. That's what would be you know, suggested by doctors for that type of PCL injury that McDavid had. And he had a doctor down in LA saying that he thought he could rehab it. And that's what he elected to do. He worked with Gary Roberts uh, who works with so many elite athletes in his entire team. But he did something like 1,000 hours of rehab and that PCL reattached without surgery. He worked with former gymnastic coaches. He worked with Tracy Wilson who's a ice dancing, Canadian Olympian and world champion, about his edges and getting him back skating. And they rehab that in the pool. And now he's back with that team in Toronto to work on this quad injury. And I think that really says something about McDavid is that, you know, he has a team of people. And while he keeps the Oilers in the loop, that's not necessarily who's going to determine his rehab. He's going to determine his rehab. And I think that's done. I think we're going to see more and more of that in these elite athletes, in this new generation of athletes. They're looking at different ways to control their bodies. And the fact that McDavid didn't have surgery really speaks to the fact that he was looking at different ways to make him the best player he could and for his longevity in his career. So I find it quite interesting that it's a quad injury, two to three weeks, no surgery required, but uh, that Ken Holland and his GM just said, you know, he's gone to Toronto to be with his team and they don't care. like they're keeping us in the loop and we'll let him yeah. do his thing
0: sometimes that could ruffle some feathers but if sure. the organization is cool with it and i don't know whether they're cool with it because there's really nothing they can do about it or whether they just understand that that's how he's comfortable um i don't think it's going to get contentious but right now just trying to get him back on the ice and having edmonton not fall out of it while he's gone uh but you know what they've only got one player to deal with columbus It just every day is more and more bad news. We learn that Atkinson is going to be out two to three weeks. He already missed 12 games this year with the same sprained ankle. Uh, This comes on the heels of finding out Seth Jones is going to be out for the next two months. You know, only the best defenseman on the team. Now, Columbus has done a great job. They're the first wild card. They've lost more man games than any other team in the league. And we were talking about the Jack Adams. I think certainly a candidate is going to be John Tortorella. But how much more can this team overcome and still expect to hang in the race?
1: that's the question and uh, you know i really don't know but you know, they seem to be able to figure it out so far. But I I look at it, yes, the loss of Atkinson is definitely a hurt to them. But to me, it's really Seth Jones. I mean, this is a defenseman that logs, you know, over 25 minutes a game. Who is going to fill those minutes for them? And he plays against the best players on the other team. So to me, that's the really big loss in Columbus. But, you know, at the end of the day, (laughs) Elvis has been quite the surprise for them. And if you have a goalie, you have a chance. But there's going to be, I think, a lot more pressure on this team now with these two substantial losses for multiple weeks. So we'll see how Columbus does, but you can't take away the job that John Tortorella has been able to do and also give credit to the players because this is a team that lost several players, high-profile players. You know one of them is Panarin who went to New York Mm -hmm. in free agency and they managed to find a way, and they're winning. And sometimes it's about the collective unit. You know, you can almost look at them the same way you can about the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets have no business being in the playoff picture for the length that they have with how decimated their defense was, but they're still here. So there's some coaching, there's players putting into different roles, but it will be interesting to me how they replace a player like Seth Jones for this long of time, especially, Don, at this time of year when it's Mm. so critical.
0: Yeah, you look at the uh, Eastern Conference, Columbus, Philadelphia have the two uh, final wild card spots but Carolina's still in the thick of things they lost to Dallas but they're still just two back of Philly who almost pulled that game off in Brooklyn they they tied it late only to give the lead up and come away with no points but Carolina's got a game in hand Florida had a big win over New Jersey they sit just three points back they also have a game on hand on Philadelphia I, I don't Montreal's played so many games Leah they've played 58 games 61 points I actually put the Rangers in a better spot. Uh, the rangers have 3 games in hand on montreal, a game in hand on florida, a game in hand on carolina, 2 games in hand on philadelphia and they now have 60 points. So it's so wide open there with the wild card teams. Do you even do you can you comfortably tell me who's in and who's out right now when we once we get to april?
1: No, I can't. And the way that I'm looking at it right now, Don, is I'm not even thinking about april. I'm thinking about the next 2 weeks. Yeah, the teams true. that are on these bubble teams, they are looking to the next two weeks to see where they can get themselves, how they feel about their game prior to that NHL trade deadline on February 24th. And that's really going to make some deciding factors. You look like a team like at Montreal, for instance. They are right there because it is so wide open, to your point. But as you mentioned, they've played more games. But do they keep a player like Kovalchuk, who just continues to be the good news story of the season, or do they send him because there will be suitors at the deadline for a player like himself to go play perhaps on the third line on a contender. Um, you know, I look at Carolina. I don't think there's any way that they count themselves out of it or a Florida. No. But over the next two weeks, I think the, the playoff picture will become clearer because we will see who really believes they're still a contender to make the playoffs because a few of those teams you just mentioned, they're going to have to make the tough decision. Are we selling some pieces or are we buying in the next two weeks?
0: You know, we're hearing some rumblings. Optimistic was considered too strong of a word that the Rangers might get a deal done with Chris Kreider. And even though it's just a might and nobody wants to use the word optimistic, they weren't even talking a week ago. So I just have this feeling that something could get done with Kreider. And if you lock Kreider up and you consider where the Rangers are in the standings, I'm not really sure there's too much else to sell other than convincing Longquist to wave his no trade clause or trading Georgiev. But if you're going to keep Kreider, who easily is the best piece to move at the deadline to get more back, if you lock him up, I could see the Rangers not being buyers. I think that would be silly, but I could see them staying pat
1: absolutely he is to me that it's like a seesaw and there's a tipping point right like which way is it going to go is he is it going to go up and he's going to leave is it going to go down and he's going to stay? i don't know but there is optimism because the reports did come out that the agent and the team have started to talk to your point but i think that if they don't Get rid of Kreider, I would agree with you. I think you keep this group together. This group a couple of years ago, it looked like the Rangers were going to go into this massive rebuild. But it didn't really happen because it got advanced due to the high draft picks and some trades that they made. And they're that middle-of-the-pack team right now. So if you lock up Kreider, I don't get rid of anybody else at the trade deadline. He really is that piece of a puzzle. You're either deciding with We're going to get rid of him, and that all comes down to, Don, what the market says that they can get back for him. Um, You know, I, I think that there's going to be some fairly substantial offers for a player like Chris Kreider who just, I have to tell you, watching him last night he's just a phenomenal player and he could do a lot on a lot of different teams. So um, I think the Rangers have a tough decision to make yeah. over the next couple of weeks, but I do think it will be tempered by what they're able to get back. If you get a deal that is too good to pass up, then I think you got to let him go, even if there has been some conversations, but if it's not there, you can keep them, keep them and get the work done. You know, you've started to talk to him. So it's, it's going to be interesting in New York.
0: Yeah, it would be. And, but if you were to trade Kreider. You know this player very well. He hasn't had a tremendous year, but we know how good he can be. I'm wondering what they can get back for Truba. And it sounds crazy because huh. they just traded for him, but if you're going to move pieces, that's somebody I think you get a lot for, no?
1: Well, it just all depends because, you know, he did come there, but he also signed, right? So you yeah. have to look at who has the room and the cap hit. Um, to do something with that, you know, because they're going to have to give something in order to bring his salary on board uh, in this cap era. So, um, you know, Jacob Truba, I look at him and I think, you know, there was last night there was people were wondering how he would be received. He touched the puck. Sometimes you get booed, they put up the old video montage of them, and lots right. of people stood up and clapped. It's a very split-down-the-center feel about Jacob Truby here. My feeling about him is that he came out after he got signed and, and traded and signed to New York and said, listen, my significant other is a doctor and her career matters as well and she's going to practice down here in the States because that's where she was educated. And I thought that that was great of him to come out because you don't often see that. Whether or not that's the full truth because there's some interior people that have told me he just didn't want to be here. But On the ice, there was never a game where Jacob Truba didn't play to his max potential. So that's how I judge a player. I understand maybe wanting to be in New York over Winnipeg. I'd probably rather be living in New York over (laughs) Winnipeg. But the fact is, he always came out and played. I think, you know, the thing about Jacob Truba is he can play in all situations for you. You know, he's great even strength. He's good on the power play. He can play on the PK. He's He's an instrumental player in the lineup. So I would say that I think that New York should keep him. Honestly, I think he's a player that could do a lot for them going forward.
0: I just, you know, when I was doing the work last night to do the pre and post, I wanted to give all of his numbers for the 408 games he played in Winnipeg. He's a minus 10 player with the Rangers, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Rangers weren't very good for stretches this year. He was a plus 37 in his career in Winnipeg. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Those were good teams, obviously, with a lot of offensive firepower, and he got to play with some really good players um in the last couple of years going to the conference final two seasons ago. But that's a heck of a player, and I, I think they'll hold on to him. I just found it kind of interesting that if you're going to sell – then there are some pieces you can get something back for. Uh but I, I think they'll keep him. They've got restricted free agents they have to deal with, D'Angelo Faust, but Kreider was the big piece, and if they can get that locked in, then really all I have to do is figure out the goaltending and that continues um to be a, a sore point for them with the three guys. But if, if if Igor continues to play the way he's playing, Leah, they'd be foolish to not just continue to ride him. He's been the better of the three goaltenders. And I know that probably is disrespectful to Georgiev and, and Lundquist having to go long stretches without playing. But this kid has just been unbelievable. 127 starts. NHL, AHL, KHL. He's won 102 of them. You know, wow. so every level that he's been on, he's dominated. That was his first road game last night and you saw how good he was. Um, you might get bored by um hearing all the list of accomplishments became the first ranger rookie goaltender uh to have 40 save performances in back to back games he's the first ranger goaltender ever to win 6 of his first 7 starts and he's the first goaltender since the shot became a stat in 5556 to make 40 plus saves in 3 of his first 7 starts i mean so it's it, it they'd be crazy not to continue to ride this guy
1: Yeah, and, you know, David Quinn mentioned, you know, whoever plays the best is playing in his net. And so far it has been eager lately to your point. You know, my question, Don, and you would be able to give me a better answer on this, is that, listen, I love the old adage that, You know, with what Wayne Gretzky did for the Edmonton Oilers, making them the city of champions and winning all those cups, and he was still a tradable asset when the time came to L.A. for what they were going to get back to him, that if Gretzky can be traded, as we've all heard, anyone can be traded. I know that Henrik Lundqvist has a no trade clause, a limited no movement clause, and that it would be very much up to him. But at the end of the day, I would like to know how New York fans feel about moving on from OneQuest. I completely understand what he has done for this franchise. But this is sport, and this is a business, and what has come now is that you have two goaltenders that are more for your future. And you have to look to your future. You can't hang on to that piece of the puzzle. It's very similar to Roberto Luongo in Florida. There's a point where you have to move mm-hmm. on. And I'm just wondering if you've heard or if there's any rumblings that the Rangers have actually sat down to have that heart-to-heart with him to say, listen, we will respect you. You have been so important to this franchise, but well, this is our situation. You know it. Would you be willing to give us a few teams that if that you'd be willing to go to?
0: Well, there's a couple of things at play here. First of all, I don't think there's a Ranger fan out there that would be upset if Lundqvist got traded. Uh, not that they don't love him, but I think they realize that the yeah. time has come, and I think that they would look at it as like a Ray Bork situation. You know, I think they would root for him wherever he went, but they understand that the future is Shesterkin. They don't want to lose Georgiev. He makes the most sense to move. So I, I think the fan base would be cool with it. Um, to your point, all we really heard was two years ago, and we, this was two years ago that letter went out to the season ticket holders, and he indicated he wanted to be part of the rebuild. But two years ago, Henrik Lundqvist figured he'd be the starting goaltender for the length of his contract, and he'd get 60-plus starts a season, and that Chesterkin was coming, but there was no idea when he would come and how good he would be. So if Hank two years ago looked into a crystal ball, and saw that he'd be going nine, ten days between starts, that Chesterkin would become a star, I think he would probably feel differently about it. So I haven't heard if there's been any conversation. I do know they're very sensitive to it. They're not going to force anything. They're not going to force Hank into anything. But I would not doubt if there has been conversation over the last few days, hey, how do you feel now? How do you feel about the possibility that if we can get something done to the place where you'd be comfortable going, would you waive the no trade? Because Hank is a very proud athlete, and to me, as much as he'd love to be a Ranger for his entire career, I would think you'd want to honor what you believe you have left, and if you think you've got a 100 games left in you, why would you leave that on the table just to say I was a Ranger my entire career? Wouldn't you want to get those 100 starts someplace for a team that could win you another Stanley Cup? I, I think he would he would do it, but I can't get inside his mind, Leah, but things have changed dramatically over the last two years. I would think that if you approached him with the right team, I think he'd waive it.
1: And the fact, though, is, is that if you are going to go to a contender, Lundqvist may have to come to the terms that he's a backup now in the NHL. That his time, if he wants to go to a contender, is that means he's going to be backing up a starting goaltender. Doesn't mean that maybe he can't overtake that job if the other one falters because he still has it in him. But that's the reality of his situation right now. Is that any contending team probably already has a fairly legitimate starter and they're looking for someone to come in and share that workload but not be the starting goaltender. And it's, it's that part of the career which is a hard one. But, you know, this is a guy. Do you want to win a cup? And, you know, you're not likely going to win it in New York for the rest of your career before you have to retire.
0: Well, see, that's a different story because if he's going to just be a backup, maybe he would rather just stay with the Rangers. And
1: that's, and that's what I mean. Yeah, he, and, has to, he has to figure it out himself. Like, are you okay now with understanding well, that you're no more King Henry? You are the backup.
0: Well, let me ask you this. In Colorado, would he make the starts over Grubauer?
1: See, that's what I mean about, listen, you have a starter there. He is the starter, but if he falters, we have no issue going to Henrik Lundqvist, oh and why shouldn't they, right? And then he has a chance to overtake that job. But coming back to the determination, because it looks like he's already doing this in New York, you have to wait for your shot, and then when you're in there, you got to win. You're not, you can't rest on those laurels of being the, goaltender and the legend that you've been, you're back to the start of your career where you're fighting for your time in that. If you're he's already doing that in New York by the sounds of it. So if he's gonna do it there, why not go to a contender and fight for your minutes there?
0: Yeah, I just think that it's it's a losing battle with Shisterkin, right? Because even if Shisturkin would falter, it still makes sense to continue to ride him because yeah. he's the kid. He's the future where if he's in Colorado I don't know if the Avalanche are married to Grubauer. I think they like him, but if he loses a few games in a row, bang, Hank jumps in there. And, you know, where else could he go where he could possibly win a cup? To me, that really seems to be it because I think Colorado is legit with their forwards. St. Louis doesn't need a goaltender. Dallas doesn't need a goaltender. I mean, could Vancouver improve? With Henrik Lundqvist between the pipes, maybe, but
1: They're, maybe. But their young guys are pretty good, and yeah. tending is what has really been, you know, really leading them this year. Besides other things, their goaltending has been very solid. But Colorado, you know, you never know, right? It just, it all depends. But I'm just, it's interesting to me. You know, we look at this and we look at, you know, the story of Henrik Lundqvist, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting, and uh, we've got a few weeks. But the one thing that J.D. and Jeff Gordon and Chris Drury and um, to a certain extent Glenn Sather – they're not going to get pushed around. They're not going to make a deal for deal's sake. You saw the way they handled the Leah Sanderson situation. He demanded a trade. They didn't think it was worth it for the franchise. They ended up keeping him. Um That's the same thing with Hank. They're not going to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. They're not going to cut off the nose despite their face. They'll be patient. And if we get to the deadline and they don't like what they hear or they can't convince Hank otherwise, then they'll try to make this work. So uh Toronto's already off the table for Georgiev. Um, I, I, th- I think there may be other teams that might be interested, but if the deal's not worth it, um, I think they've made it clear they're not going to get pushed around and be forced into a situation. They're professional that way. You ready for some tweets? Because we've got some responsibilities to make up for for last week. I hope you were yeah. thinking because Tom did like- remind us. He said, uh, first of all, we wanted to talk about his Blackhawks. He feels they got to get at least five points on this three-game Western swing uh, to officially stay in the post-season uh, race. I, I don't, I don't buy that. I mean, I look at Chicago right now. That was a tough loss last night, and they got a lot of teams to climb over. Uh, but they do have uh, some games in hand, so I don't know if they need five of the of the six. But uh, we'll see what happens there. But he wanted to talk about that his." goal song and this was something if you missed last week somebody had asked us about uh, your goal song and you said you wanted to think about it i said it would be freedom by rage against the machine he says he'd go with limelight by rush with an honorable mention of for whom the bell tolls by metallica you've had seven days to think about it leah what is your goal song
1: all right i have given this a great deal of thought to the point where i'm a little embarrassed about how much time i spent thinking about this but first of all this is really hard just so everybody knows i have a great new appreciation for you know baseball players and their walk-up songs because this is really difficult but one of my very favorite artists is elton john okay and my goal song would be the bitch is back
0: that's well thought out i think that would be that would be terrific and i think the fans would love hearing that 50 yeah. 60 times during the course of the season how about that there you go. <laughs> uh Chris wants to know, first of all, hi Don and Leah. With Columbus losing both Seth Jones and Cam Atkinson for an extended period of time, should Torts be the coach of the year front runner if they make the playoffs considering the roster turnover they had to start the season. We kinda talked about that, but right, it's Mike Sullivan. It's, it's John Tortorella. It's Paul Maurice. I mean, there's a few names. You can come up with a bunch. And, and I have a vote as a broadcaster, which I'm very, very proud of. And I always kind of lean towards teams that surprise me, that overachieved. But that, as much as Torts has done a tremendous job and certainly the playoffs are not a lock, there's a lot of coaches that could be proud of what they've been able to accomplish this year.
1: Absolutely, and you know I know that Mike Sullivan has the two-headed monster in Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, but I look at just the injury situation that has gone on in Pittsburgh, and I really look, and I I don't think sometimes he gets enough credit for what he does because he has those huge names up front but I really believe that Mike Sullivan needs to be in that conversation this
0: year. Yeah, because you know Pittsburgh is as good as Columbus has been Pittsburgh's been amazing. They've tested Washington, they could still win the division. Heck, they can win a cup despite all of the guys yep. that they have lost and 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 guys that have that have underachieved for them this year. Uh Aaron says glad to hear Jay Baumester is okay. My question is would the Coyotes consider moving Phil Kessel at the deadline? Not too long ago, he was considered an elite scorer but it just doesn't seem to be a fit there. They can swap him for an NHL player or assets.
1: I don't think they're going to move on from Phil Kessel. I know that a lot of people come down with Phil Kessel, but go look at his stat sheet. He's a perennial 20-plus goal scorer no matter where he goes, and he also stays healthy, and that's something that you need. The big conversation point that has been uh, up here is would they consider flipping Hall? Um, you know, Hall's situation hasn't changed. He's going to be a UFA at the end of this season. And would they, if somebody comes calling, say, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs. We brought him in for to make our team better and exponentially uh, better. But would they consider trading him at the deadline? Um, but uh, I think Kessel stays there. I don't think they're in any way, shape, or form. Um, ready to change that narrative. And you also have to remember who the head coach of Arizona is. They have a long-standing relationship with the back in Pittsburgh with Tockett. So there you go. So I think uh, he's a big fan of Phil Kessel, and I think Phil Kessel stays.
0: But he's been a disappointment. Just 12 goals, 33 points. He's a minus 23, which is incredible. Nobody's even close to being uh, that bad in the plus-minus, which I understand is an overrated stat, but when it's that jarring, uh, it's a bit disturbing. However... That's a team that has aspirations of making the playoffs. And when you take a look at their roster, there's not too many guys that have as much playoff experience as Kessel does. So that could certainly help if they were to sneak into the playoffs and hold on to him. So I think I'm with you. Hall's a different story because they, he, again, he's been somewhat of a disappointment really all year long. He's only got eight goals and I don't know how many he's had since he joined Arizona, but not many, um, since he came over. Uh, actually, yeah, it's, uh, he has eight, eight of his 14 have been with, um, with the Coyotes. Uh, that's not great. And because he's a free agent, maybe you move him. But I'm with you. I think Kessel's got too much experience to let him go if you think you're a playoff team. And I think they are. I think they, heck, they can win that division for God's sakes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm just looking at Kessel's stats right now. I mean, like, ever since his first season in 2007-2008 with the Bruins, he's had almost over 30 goals every season. And, you know, it's just looking at his health. I mean, it looks like here eight of his seasons, full 82 games, and then all that playoff experience, winning a championship. I mean, he's a guy that I just get, you know, he has underachieved this year, but I think there's several players Mm -hmm. on Arizona that you could say that for. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, Troy asks – I don't think he's going to like the answer to this question. Do you think P.K. Subban will get traded this season, and what can the Devils get in return? Uh, I think he stays a Devil because I don't think they yep. get any value back yep. for him.
1: I agree. I agree. I think the book is out on P.K. Subban. Um, this is a player that has been electric in his career. You know, obviously in the first few years was a game changer, he has really tailed off. And to me, it just looks like PK Subban has lost his stats. He doesn't skate the way he used to and he can't keep up. And I don't think you're going to get a lot for him. You know, there's also some other things about PK Subban. As electric as a player that he is and how much personality that he has, he doesn't always work within certain rooms. And that's been the rub on him throughout his entire career. And some people say, oh, it's just because he's got personality. But there's other things to it. I mean, you look at the fact that as talented as he is and, you know, Team Canada, he was always kind of on the outside looking in. Um, There's reasons for that. And so I I really don't think they're going to get a lot for him. He is not the marquee defenseman anymore that he wants.
0: No, he's not. And, you know, I had somebody tell me off the record when the Devils traded for him and I was, I was positive about it for a bunch of reasons because I still thought he had a lot left. And for a team yeah. like New Jersey, you know, they needed a kind of a marquee player. Um, now that Lou Lamarello is gone and they can kind of promote players, he seemed like a very marketable commodity for a devil team that's kind of been stale since going to the final in 2012 and seeing all their great players like Stevens, Niedemeyer, Brodeur uh, move on. And somebody told me, you know, there's a reason he's been on three teams. You know, as good as he's been, there's a reason Montreal traded him. There's a reason Nashville let him go. And we're starting to see that, you know, I I like him as a person. I really do. I do think that maybe he needs to kind of pump the brakes on some of the off-ice stuff and kind of settle in. And maybe this season will be humbling for him. And maybe he'll turn it around and change for next season. But that's been one of the biggest disappointments, I think, uh, of this season has been how how much he's dropped and how he really has contributed very little
1: to that Devil team this year. Yeah, and put everything aside from the, the rumor mill and the things that you hear about him, at the end of the day, I just don't think he's one of the top defensemen in the league anymore, and that's just the bottom line.
0: No, it's not. it's not close anymore, and he's still young enough to be able to turn that around, and a lot of it's because the Devils have been a huge disappointment overall. So, you know, you change coaches, they're going to have a new general manager next year. So you, you fire a coach, you fire a general manager, you trade your best player in Hall. You know, so there were so many expectations going in and it's been a complete dud. And that's that's a complete overall rebuild, right? I mean, they're going to go into oh. next year, new coach, new general manager. I mean, who stays, who goes, they don't have any goaltending. I mean, they're they're starting from scratch there in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, the facelift is on and they, you know, they need to make sure that they put that out there to their fan base. No jacking up ticket prices here this season because it is an overhaul and it needs to be an overhaul and you've got to do it right. There's no way around it. So many teams try to skip that process and go out and get the big-name players and do all that, and then it falls. And there's only one way to do it, and that's draft develop and build the team. And it takes a long time, but it's worth it if you do it right.
0: I think you may see next year, Leah, I wonder what you think of this, Scott Stevens' head coach, Marty Brodour, Hmm. Hmm.
1: I will say no to Marty Broder being GM because I don't think he wants it. I don't think he wants to work that hard, and I don't mean that as a slight. I just mean that I think he likes his position now um, being just a part of it but not being the guy who has to be there 24-7, seven days a week because don't get it wrong, that GM role. It's a worker. It's going to age you by ten years, and I think Marty's enjoying his life. But you could be right. I mean, you talk about bringing the, you know, just the best parts of their past to their future and their present, and those would be the two guys. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I'm a big Scott Stevens fan, so I would love to see him get a, a crack at the coach.
0: Well, the reason I say Brodor is one of the reasons he wanted to go to St. Louis at the end of his career was a to play, and b because he felt like there was management opportunity. To, to learn and he did get a chance to learn there after he retired he stayed on with St. Louis he's now uh, part of the Devils as the executive vice president uh, Tom Fitzgerald hung around he's got, he was the assistant to um, Ray Shiro so maybe if Marty is kind of given a chance to have some help around him to kind of learn a little bit more. I'm kind of with you. Maybe we're a little ways away from that happening. Stevens has paid his dues. He was an assistant on that uh, Eastern Conference Championship team with the Devils in 2012, went to Minnesota, was an assistant there. Uh, I, I think he's paid his dues to at least get a shot to be a head coach. So I think that might be a little bit more logical right now going into next year than maybe Brodeur.
1: Yes, and it all depends, too, Don, what they decide to do on the ice, right? Like, you have to bring in a coach that matches your personnel and your players. And so that's a big point of it. You don't build around a coach. You build around what you have and what you're going to get. So it's going to be interesting in New Jersey to see how they figure out the pieces to the puzzle because they've got a lot of pieces to put in place.
0: Well, I know you're very busy, and I didn't mean to keep you as long as I did, but um, it was fun. It was too much to talk about today.
1: No, it's a great day. It's uh, it's just that time of year where everything's just getting... It's the best. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as they say. This and Christmas. So there you go. Trade deadline's always a fun time because it means we're getting close to playoffs and that means we're getting close to the best hockey of the year.
0: Yeah, and I know they call it the dog days for a lot of teams. You saw Boston lose to Detroit again. Like There's some teams that are kind of going through the motions, but yeah, there's a lot of teams where these games are just so vitally important and with the deadline coming. And you know these deals always come before the deadline, right? The day of the deadline's always a dud because all the big deals happen before then so we're 12 days away we could be just a few days away from seeing some blockbusters and i'm looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to talking to you next wednesday
1: absolutely we'll see what we have to chat about when we reconvene
0: all right that's leah hextall joins us every wednesday today she really came with it with her goal song uh, the fact that she was at the Jets-Rangers game last night, giving us some tidbits on Connor McDavid as well, always brings a lot to the table. Just three games in the NHL tonight, 7.30, Montreal and Boston. You know, Boston's got Tampa creeping up. I mean, Tampa's got games in hand, just three games back, eight straight wins for the Lightning. That's right now the best team of the NHL, so the Boston Bruins need to be careful. Montreal is just desperate for wins. Same for Calgary. They're in Los Angeles to take on the Kings. In Chicago, as Tom mentioned, they start this Western Canadian swing. They lost Edmonton. Now they're going to be in Vancouver, so we'll see if they can get some points and stay in this race. So, three pretty important games of the NHL tonight. I'll be in Columbus on Friday calling the Rangers and the Blue Jackets games. So, we'll be back with you on Friday, give you the top five of the week, and also we'll take your tweets, which you'd always tag it with hashtag Game Misconduct. There's a lot of fun. Thanks to Leah Hextall. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN
1: app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.